listening to the NTT20 betting show. We're sponsored by Betfair. It's the sound of the start of your weekend. Lean into it as it beckons you into its spring embrace. This podcast is very strictly for over 18s only. Gambling comes with some risk, so please make sure you're gamble aware. Even if you think you are, you may not be. Head to begamblerware.org to understand all of the risks that come with gambling. Any telltale signs that you're betting too much uh, from us. We always ask that you never bet more than you can afford to lose and definitely never chase your losses. George Alec, my friend, colleague, football pundit and part-time golfer when the sun comes out. Are you well? Yeah, mate, I'm good. We had a good game of golf yesterday, didn't we? Mm. You hit a ball out of a bunker, 220 yards to about six foot. Sounds good. 220. I'll take it. I think that's probably 20% longer than the shot was. No. I think it was about one. I think it was about 188 from the bunker. Up the hill. Sure. Playing longer. We'll call it 220. Well, it's very nice of you to bring that up. You probably don't realise how much it meant to me when you said that's the best shot I've ever seen you hit. We've played, well, I've played more golf with you than anyone by, by some <laughs> distance. So that really did mean a lot. I think I did I not even say the best shot I've ever seen. Full stop. <laughs> yeah, that means less because you say, you say that every round about something <laughs> yeah, or other. Uh, look, last week on the pod, I mean, in the words of Charlie Nicholas, you're sitting there thinking, what have I got to do to get a DMB nap up? Yeah, two weeks in a row. 95th minute equaliser from Oxford United against Ipswich, which must have filled your yellow heart, but broke your punting heart. I mean, it didn't break my punting heart at all. Great thing with Jordan O'Bet. No damage, nothing done. I mean, disappointed not to get the nap up, but um, with my fans hat on over the moon to see the goal go in. You laid Fleetwood at 1.88. They did not beat Doncaster. That was a good pick. But Bruce's baggies botched their bout with Bristol City which was your next best. Mm. And there were two goals in Stoke versus Millwall. You'd gone under 1.5, trying to do the limbo there and just, just caught your nose, didn't it, the bar? Uh, and then Barry Bannon, four shots, your goal scorer pick, zero goals. Not quite precise enough. As for me, a good week, 3.5 points up from the sixth state. Uh, that Nap Forest Green on Monday night, not the comfiest watch, to be honest, uh, but they got up in the end. Carlisle, narrow winners at Barrow, as predicted, and, and Rotherham laid at 1.66, losing 3-0. Uh, the goals treble, a predictable two out of three loser, which we all saw coming. Uh, no luck for Obafemi against uh, an impressive Birmingham City last weekend. Uh, my last 22 weeks, naps, 17 winners, three losers. That is serious. One DNB push and one week where we didn't do naps because we went festive goal scorers. And as soon as I counted that back and, and found out the record, 17 out of 22, I've been nervous ever since. I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I hadn't done it. Anyway. It's the old Lee so Clark Huddersfield unbeaten run where they just started drawing every single game. Are we going to have Sheffield Wednesday draw no bet at home uh, to Cheltenham? <laughs> is that the plan? We'll see. We'll see. What, what is your nap? What's your best bet this weekend? My best bet is Leighton Orient, who are playing at home um, to Barrow, and they're 11 to 10. A case of two new managers up against each other. Um, no surprises here um, that I am of the opinion that Richie Wellens is a better appointment here than Phil Brown. I was going to say, I was going to say some, some people would look at a game with two new managers, newish in one case and brand new in the other and go watching brief. Let's see what happens, but not you. Nah, I don't think so. Um, I don't think Phil Brown uh, is, is going to offer. I mean, he didn't necessarily do a terrible job, you know, he was, he wasn't to blame for taking Southend down by any stretch, but um, 
you know, maybe long term it'll be a, an okay appointment. But I, I personally thought, given the the way that they recruited in the in the summer um, and the you know the the supposed budget that Mark Cooper boasted of, um, I'm pretty surprised that Phil Brown was the was the person they presumably turned to before they even um, sacked Cooper. Given the speed of the appointment, um, at least you know we, we spoke about the the Leighton Orient. Uh, Wellens appointment at length at the time you know at least you're appointing a guy even though there are, there are some quite clear flaws uh, and some concerns that weren't necessarily there when he moved on from Swindon um you're certainly getting someone who's whose ceiling in, in recent times in this league is very high in terms of both the football played and uh, the output as well and and we're seeing an improvement in Leighton Orient I was unbelievably impressed by their performance on Tuesday night um where they went to Harrogate Having you know crucially got that all important victory at home to Rochdale, having gone one nil one nil down, winning that game three one on Saturday, ending a run of seventeen games without a win, seventeen games without scoring over two and a half goals, and they followed it up with another three goals and, and another win. But it was total domination away at Harrogate side, who Simon Weaver would have you believe have been very unfortunate rather than very poor in recent weeks. But, but Orient were a better team by miles. Um, they dominated the game. They had all the early chances. Um, Drynan looking back to the kind of player that we saw earlier on in the season with with two goals, um, dominating possession. It was just a completely different side to what we'd seen recently. Uh, and they had another couple of chances with both Smith and Archibald hitting the woodwork as well. Um, and a repeat of that against a Barrow side who were yet to see um, the, the impact of Brown. But certainly, if you look at these two sides in terms of, of, of the players they've got at their disposal um, and what they should be capable of, Orient should be able to um, disorient side should be should be you know clear of, of Barrow themselves. Um, it's you know if if Brown is able to take over this Barrow side and, and arrest what has been a, a pretty miserable slide. I mean the the only argument I guess that you could have in support of Barrow is that there's much more significance in this game for Barrow than for for Orient with Orient's two wins pretty much taking them clear now of, of the drop zone. Barrow is still six points ahead of Oldham. Oldham don't look at the moment particularly adept um, at picking up the points needed to, to close the gap. But Barrow fans will know that if they sit on 37 points for the rest of the season, they probably will be there to be shot at and chased down. Um, their away form is okay. You know, they've gone to Scunthorpe and beat them fairly recently. They beat Northampton as well a few weeks ago, but they've they've lost a lot of games and we've seen some pretty ropey performances as well. Um, you know, for Orient, this is just another, you know, even though there's not much to play for when you've got a new manager like Wellens and you put in a couple of performances, you're riding the crest of a wave. And um, we saw early in the season what this group is capable of as well. So, yeah, at 11 to 10, I'm, I'm strong on Orient having enough to, to see off the threat of Barrow. My nap is, well, it is Sheffield Wednesday related. It's not. Sheffield Wednesday to win at four to seven. It is Sheffield Wednesday to win and cover the minus one handicap at two point six three. That's thirteen to eight with the Betfair Sportsbook. They're at home to Cheltenham on Saturday, and well, as you have tracked, in fact, as you pretty much got in front of, impressively, stance-wise, they've been pretty good in in twenty twenty two, haven't they? Nine wins in fourteen mm. Wednesday. Uh, they've scored over two goals a game in that period of time. Not at their best last weekend in drawing at Gillingham. Fair to say uh, that nil-all draw the previous weekend. They'd given Accrington a bit of a battering at Hillsborough, but not finished their chances and conceded a sloppy one, drew 1-1. One, one. Uh, those are not ideal results when you know everyone around you is winning loads as they are at the top of League One. But um, I still think that, in general, I'm expecting a return to form here. And I, I hope they'll be bang at it this weekend and go for the throat of Cheltenham Town. 
They've had nine home games in 2022 so far, Wednesday in the league. They've won seven of nine, and they've covered the minus one in five of nine, just over 50%. They've got Berahino off with Burundi, international duty. Josh Windass is rumoured to be out as well, so I do feel like I'm relying on Lee Gregory to fire here, and Barry Bannon perhaps for goals as well. But they, they still look strong despite those absences. Uh, that lovely midfield three of Baez, Luongo and Bannon, well old machine at this point in time. Uh, they've got Mendes Lang coming back. They've got Harley Dean coming back. Iorfa as well, looking very strong indeed um, in all areas of the pitch, perhaps until the very top of it. But Gregory's the key man and he's fit and firing, or hopefully firing. Uh, Cheltenham, they played on Tuesday, didn't they? Sheffield Wednesday had a week off, but Cheltenham had to go to uh, to Devon, to Plymouth. They lost 2-0 on Tuesday night. They'd have got back, I guess, early morning Wednesday, probably rested up on Wednesday, a couple of massages, a bit of light training on Thursday. Uh, they would have travelled up, I guess, or they will travel up in the future, that is, Friday. Um, and then Saturday, they'll pitch up at Hillsborough against a, a, a hungry Sheffield Wednesday. That's what I'm hoping for as well. Craig, who's on the NTT20 squad, he was at the game, Argyle 2, Cheltenham 0. He said he was pretty disappointed with, with Cheltenham, really. They, they weren't necessarily what he was expecting, particularly the back three, who he described as disjointed and ragged. And did accept that they did carry a threat going forward, as we've seen, particularly with Alfie May in recent weeks. So I think Cheltenham maybe not as solid defensively as as we expected coming up from League Two. I thought they'd be proper low margin set piece type team. They've actually morphed into pretty good attacking side, but only five teams have conceded more than them, so they've not been great defensively. And in six of nineteen away from home, so just about one in three, they've conceded three goals or more. That's what I kind of want need to happen here. Um, and not a huge amount for them to be playing for at this stage, comfortably mid-table, well away from the relegation zone. A good season, whatever happens from this point for Cheltenham Town. Wednesday, full week to prepare. Been angry after those two draws. Plenty of motivation to get back into the top six. I'm hoping they start quickly. And due to Cheltenham, what they did recently to Cambridge and Burton, who they thrashed at Hillsborough, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, my nap, minus one, 13-8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Next up. My next best is Hartlepool to go to Northampton and win at 14 to 5. None of that Jorno bet nonsense. Um, yeah, Northampton come here after losing 1 0 at home to, to Bristol Rovers in a game that for me sums up the concerns that you have to have over Northampton. Um, said it plenty of times, you know, they are not a very good attacking team at all. Um, Horsfall and Guthrie are. I mean, along with Hoskins and open play, but you know they're their two biggest goal threats basically. Um, and I think they've they've missed Atete since he left in January as well um, to go out back on loan to to Cheltenham. And against Bristol Rovers, they you know Horsfall made a mistake, which he's done a couple of times in recent weeks, to gift them a goal within 40 seconds. And Bristol Rovers were able to to basically pretty cosily see out the game, um, apart from one Northampton effort from Horsfall, obviously from a set piece, obviously they hit the woodwork. Um, they only had seven shots in the game uh, behind for for over 90 minutes. And Hartlepool have proven themselves away from home in recent weeks as being a team who thrive on their travels. You know, last time we saw them go to Northampton, sorry to Newport, Newport themselves, a team that I would rank at the moment far higher. Than Northampton as a football team and Hartlepool were able to cut them open with three real moments of quality in the game. Um, and so Northampton's strength in defence, you know, which is their, their clear reason why they are where they are in the league, I think will be tested here uh, against a side who on their travels uh, in their last 
four or five games. They've beaten Newport 3-2. They've beaten Harrogate 2-1. They've beaten Colchester 2-1. They've beaten Crawley 1-0. They've won four of their last five away games and scored at a Walsall side who under under Michael Flynn at the time were, were going great guns. So uh, I think at 14-5, um, the way this game is going to play out, the way you're going to have a Hartlepool side who believe in their ability to beat these sides but with very little to lose up against a Cobbler side who are probably doubting themselves a little bit off the back of that result seems like a big price. Um, I, I think Cobblers are going to struggle to to maintain their their top three position from now until the end of the season. Um, and, and I guess they're, you know, they're best against sides who struggle themselves to create. But I, I don't think Hartlepool are that team at the moment. So at 14 to 5, it seems a big price for me to, for, the, for Hartlepool to continue their hot form on the road. I'm, I'm nodding my head. I watched them beat Newport, didn't I, last Friday mm. night? Watched it in the bath. Really enhanced that experience. Great performance from Graham Lee's side. I'm all I'm all over that. And next best for me, also in League Two, also an away side, it's Bristol Rovers. Gas to beat Carlisle at two point four, seven to five with the Betfair Sportsbook. Um, have you heard of Paul Simpson? Well, well, <laughs> well, it's a very fun game to consider this, George, because both teams have won five of their last six. Of course, Rovers' is good form stretches back. I think it's eight out of ten. But we'll cap it at six, both of them with five wins and very similar fixtures. It's actually pretty eerie um, in terms of who they've beaten. They've both beaten four bottom half teams and Northampton. uh, And they've both lost to Newport. So it's very strange, really. But it's quite a fun one, um, punting-wise. And I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. So I've looked at the stats and the data and I've watched... Uh, as many of the extended highlights as I can from both teams, this little group of six games. And I actually think both teams, if I'm honest, have been a little fortunate with this points return based on their pure performances in this group of six games. Neither team are dominating games or shot counts or XG to the tune of, you know, better than two points per game. And then that can happen. And there's other things at, at play here, you know, great momentum, great confidence and all those sorts of things. And, a real desire to to defend leads when they've had them. We've certainly seen that from both teams. But I think it's hard to say until we see the teams take the field together. Carlisle obviously have the home advantage here. But from watching a lot of these two teams, my sense is that Bristol Rovers are a bit slicker, a bit more controlled, a bit more sturdy at the back and undeniably have more individual quality as well. Now, very particularly Elliot Anderson is missing this game because he's away with Scotland under 21s. Now that's a huge blow for Bristol Rovers because his form recently has been a joke. Uh, he's been compared to Diego Maradona and Peter Beardsley in the last week. Um, two great players. Two, two great players. Two strong names. Mm. Um, but he won't be playing in this one, which is a shame. But I think between Sam Nicholson, who I think might be back here, possibly Luke Thomas, or maybe Barton will move Aaron Collins out, out left and put Ryan Loft or, or Leon Clark up front. It is a loss for them because he's such a good player, but it's not like they're replacing him with with scrubs. Um, And Carlisle themselves lost a key man, Callum Guy, to a knee injury early on last weekend. Now, he's not as good as Anderson, but he's very important to the way Carlisle play. He's actually played the most minutes for them this season, so he'd be a big loss. And given that it was a knee injury, he was seen on crutches last Saturday night. It just feels like this sort of thing you wouldn't wouldn't suddenly be starting six, seven days later because you don't mess around with knees. I'm not going to go through the data and the stats. There wasn't. There's not a huge amount between these two. So this is more of a gut feeling thing. If I'm honest, I found this selection of games, this docket, very difficult. There's not as much that I consider to be obvious value. There's not as much that I consider to be super strong stances or anything like that. Bristol Rovers are priced up here as being a bit better than Carlisle, which I agree with. I think they're going to win. I'm going to pick them to win 7-5, to 2.4. 
let's move on. Before we do, just a reminder that Betfair have no cash-out suspensions or match odds for all the FL games. That's applicable to both singles and multiples, so no cash-out suspensions at all uh, when you bet with the Betfair Sportsbook on match odds for all EFL games. Now, in the last few weeks, we've had a successful double nap. We've had a <laughs> successful double NB. Could it be? I think it is. A double lay. I am, and you are, laying Accrington Stanley. I've been matched at 1.85. I've matched the same. Look at that, mate. It's double everything. Someone Um, couldn't believe their luck heading to the exchange this morning and seeing Ellick and Maxwell's money queued up. um, Yeah, kind of a few thoughts. There is a a motivation factor at play here, I would say. Accrington destined for nothing. And and I know I've just made a case there or, or a couple of cases for teams who are also in that position. But you look at Accrington's recent form and... It feels like they are beachy. Would you agree? I mean, the, the 4-0 loss at Argyle on the South Coast and the 4-0 loss against Pompey um, in their last four games show that they are a side who are, are, are more than capable of throwing in a, a performance against a team scrapping that, that is pretty poor. Yes, they. in between that, you have a decent point at Hillsborough and, and a 2-1 win at home to Charlton, for sure. But uh, you know that's a Charlton side who at the time were... We're not playing very well. Uh, and you've got a Gillingham team here under Neil Harris who I think we can be pretty confident at the very least are going to be very solid. Um, their clean sheet record under Harris is very good. I think it's is it four or five in their last... Um, it's four in their last six, I believe. Uh, against an Accrington side who who aren't particularly prolific and don't really have the players to be prolific either. Um, Gillingham still... Uh, just one point outside the drop zone, having played a game more than AFC Wimbledon, despite their good form, they are still very much embroiled in this relegation dogfight. But the improve- performances have been so much better. And I think we can be fairly confident coming into this, um, especially given the way that they scared Sheffield Wednesday. You know, Wednesday themselves had a couple of chances, but then Oliver was pretty wasteful in front of goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that the heavy odds on for the team at home who are coming into this one without a great deal to play for is 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 too short. You tell me why you're doing it too. In general, they're the team I'd want to get against between now and the end of the season, really, as, as motivation recedes. Mm. Uh, we've got a pretty good body of work to look back at on this front, George, and, and I did. Last season, Accrington was sixth in mid-February. Don't know if you remember that. They went and beat Charlton very impressively on live on Sky. They did. And that was like, oh, is this it? And then it all just went to pieces. They won only five of their last 20 games. They conceded more than two goals a game in that period. And they just got a little bit loose, didn't they? Without the sort of, I guess, the concentration that high motivation demands. Uh, the season before that, they were 15th on the 1st of January. Uh, the season got curtailed in March, as we know. Uh, they'd, they'd only won three of 12 before the season finished. They weren't in good nick in the second half of the campaign season before that was their first at the level and they had an amazing start in the uh, on the 21st of October of 2018 Accrington were fourth in the league and they'd won seven of their first 14 league one games from that point on they had the third worst record in league one uh, only won five of the their last 23 games they were comfortably safe in the end but uh, it's a bit of a trend and I'm not having a go because you know what's much better than staying up in a relegation battle each year is staying up comfortably each year and it's a massive testament to what they do that they're able to do so. But um, that's a trend that I'm I'm focusing on and trying to get against them. Gillingham under Harris went from no hope to some hope 
They're now above the dotted line, uh, albeit having played a game more and generally keeping it pretty low margin stuff. I think seven of 11 games have had one goal or fewer. Obviously, they've changed manager now, but over the course of the season, Gillingham's record against top half teams, 19 games, zero wins, five draws, 14 defeats. Gills versus bottom half teams, 20 games, seven wins, eight draws and only five defeats. And Accrington are a bottom half team, although not one of the worst teams in the league, that's for sure. I think Gills, like you, can grind something out here and frustrate them. Uh, hopefully they'll defend their box well and, and they might even fancy a win, you know, given their newfound belief and uh, Vidane Oliver and Kelman up front. Aki's leaky defence, just one clean sheet in 14. Toby Savin suspended, of course. Something to think about. So we both laid Accrington, the double lay, possibly first time ever, excited about it. Uh, we've got goals next. Port Vale against Sutton. Um, I think this is going to be overs. Uh, over 2.5 is 13 to 10. Um, Port Vale aside, who at the moment, uh, games are, are pretty high scoring because they're scoring a lot of goals uh, under Andy Crosby's temporary charge after a wobble. I think he seems to have, have worked out that having spent most of the season being a pretty... Um, you know, a side who who basically look to don't necessarily look to attack at, at every area. Um, the shackles have really come off. They they beat Crawley three one, Mansfield three one, and Bradford two one. Um, that was followed up by a, a midweek stalemate against Exeter. But I think the magnitude of that game, effectively, with either side massively losing ground in the automatic promotion race with a defeat. Um, you know, Exeter with a loss would have brought themselves back to the pack, whereas Port Vale with the defeat would have seen himself, would have seen basically Exeter to close out that second spot and make it into one to be shot at. Uh, I think it's understandable that it was a pretty cagey affair as both teams look to basically consolidate where they are. That's not the case here against Sutton. Sutton um, all season have been a pretty entertaining side to follow with, with a lot of goals and coming in a lot of their games and their only way they know is to attack. There's no way they're going to go to Port Vale and look to, look to stubble it out. They were... Prolific in midweek, scoring three against John Sheridan's Oldham in a game where I thought they might struggle. And Port Vale come into this with a home game, um, with a, you know two back-to-back away games coming afterwards, with an opportunity to win three points and and, and send themselves closer to the automatics. Uh, I, I just don't see how this will be a cagey affair. I think it's two teams who have the massive, um, who can benefit hugely from from winning it, and therefore it should be fairly end-to-end with, with two sides whose recent form uh, shows high goal volume as well. And again, if either team goes ahead, then then it should unravel pretty quickly. So uh, over two and a half, 13 to 10. Um, Port Vale against Sutton is my, my goals bet. Well, I've got an overs double, which I'm looking forward to getting one out of two on. Uh, and it's both in League Two and it's Oldham against Mansfield. Over 2.5 goals at even money. Uh, looking at Fox Punter's XG ratings, the last eight games, XG total, that's four and against combined for both of these teams, 2.68 and 2.66 respectively. It's not a ton over 2.5, but that's pretty high in terms of uh, combined XG over an eight-game period. Mansfield mostly good in attack. Oldham not so good at the back, so Mansfield will be looking forward to potentially cutting loose here. And then Scunthorpe Harrogate over 2.5 goals at at 6-5, 2.2 here. In Scunthorpe's last eight games, their combined XG per match is 2.79. They're pretty consistently getting battered by the opposition and and often conceding three, four, five goals as they did last week against Salford. Harrogate might be one of the beachiest teams in the EFL. They've dropped off a ton recently and their attacking numbers haven't been particularly good either. I sort of always have a sense of them being quite a dangerous attacking team. Hasn't really been the case in recent weeks, but I basically think this is almost, I know this sounds, uh, sounds a bit harsh, but Scunthorpe, they've pretty much accepted their fate i listened to an interview with the chairman peter swan this week he seems to have accepted their fate there was basically the whole interview with a uh, the iron brew podcast was just talking about 
how they were going to approach the National League next season. Harrogate have done what they needed to do, a bit like what we spoke about with Accrington in League One. They've they've stayed up comfortably. It's it's a great achievement. But I basically think this is like a almost like a final day game in late March. Um, so I'm predicting some fun in the sun or fun in the scan. We'll call it that. <laughs> uh, the double is is four point four with the Betfair Sportsbook. Remember that with the Sportsbook, with Betfair, if you bet £10 on multiples or bet builders, you get a £2 free bet now to use on, on multiples or bet builders. So it's if you bet £10 rather than 20 which it was before, um, on multiples or bet builders, you'll get a £2 free bet now. To use on multiples or bet builders, there are T's and C's for that. Make sure you check them out on the site. Let's finish with two goal scorers. Let's let's pick two guys who are actually going to score. Kick it in the goal this, this week. <laughs> I'm going back to Barry Bannon. You know, you've spoken about um, about Sheffield Wednesday against um, Cheltenham here. Uh, I still think he's being grossly undervalued in terms of a goal threat. He's the same price as he was last week at 16-5. to 5. Sheffield Wednesday put in a poor performance. They didn't create a great deal and he still had four shots. Um, I think as long as he's being priced up like this, it's going to continue to be value and it's quite handy that they're short price favourites at home this weekend. So um, if you didn't listen to last week, go back and listen to it. But Barry Bannon, in my view, is one of the class players in the division at the moment who's playing a role, a much more advanced, much more goal-scoring role than, than he's being priced up to, possibly because of reputation rather than what he's actually doing. Getting shots off every game, scoring a fair few goals as well. 16-5 to any time is, is definitely value, and that's my goal-scorer pick again. I think you're one of the classiest people in this division as well. Thank you. My goal-scorer pick, back to an old favourite, a centre-back, George. I've picked a CB mm. for the first time in a long time. Um, Lovely. I wanted to back a Shrewsbury player and I've delved a little deeper into working out who that is. Uh, a Shrewsbury team who are in the top eight for XG from set pieces and shots from set pieces this season per Opta Analyst against a Lincoln side that have faced the second most shots from set pieces and always looked a little bit shaky in that regard. Their centre-backs are not the biggest uh, Lincoln. Jackson is good in the air, but Poole and Walsh who have been playing there recently, less so. Ioma, if he starts in a back three, even less so. That's sort of stacked up with their um, aerial win percentage numbers that I looked at on Scout. Um, I kind of assumed that it'd be the sweet left peg of Luke Leahy delivering aerial gifts into yeah. the box. But actually, Elliot Bennett's been taking the, the corners recently. And I watched a lot of them on Scout. He's sending in some absolute heat-seeking missiles. Uh, and <laughs> one of them, I hope, might land on the head of Matthew Pennington. Now, Pennington and Flanagan and, to a lesser extent, Ethan Ebanks-Landell have all been getting attempts away recently. Um, Flanagan's with Northern Ireland, so he's not available here. And Pennington's just inarguably a greater threat than Ebanks-Landell, much as I love my friend Ethan, who I sat next to on a flight from uh, Los Angeles to London once and who slept the whole way. Um, <laughs> the fact that Pennington's a greater threat is sadly reflected in the prices. He's 14-1 to 1 to score any time rather than 22-20 to 1 Ebanks-Landell. But I'm going with the greater threat. Um, Pennington is my pick and the stats point to him being a much more likely goal scorer, twice as many shots per game, twice the XG per 90 as Ebanks Landell. So I'm doing what you taught me and that's a quarter point each on Pennington first and last at 25 to 1 with the Betfair Sportsbook and half a point at 14 to 1. Matthew Pennington, go on, big Matthew. Go on, Penno. Head one in. Be the, be the Jake Cooper of the 21-22 season. I suppose actually Shaughnessy did score for me at twenty to one early in the season. So uh, be the Shaughnessy in twenty twenty two. Be the Shaughnessy, Pennington. Be the Shaughnessy, George. Will you? Would you mind uh, recapping your bets for for my benefit and for the benefit of any listeners? 
Leighton Orient at home is my nap. Hartlepool away is my next best. Accrington is my lay. Port Vale versus Sutton over two and a half goals at 13 to 10 is my uh, goals bet. Barry Bannon score any time at 16 to 5 is my goal scorer bet. 11 to 10. Um, Leighton Orient are 14 to 5 Hartlepool. Wow. My nap. Sheffield Wednesday minus one. 2.63, 13 to 8 with the Betfair Sportsbook. Bristol Rovers, 2.4, 7 to 5 at Carlisle is my next best. I've also laid Accrington. We've both been matched at 1.85 on the Betfair Exchange. Machine, uh, my goals pick is an overs double. Alderman Mansfield and Scunthorpe Harrogate to go over 2.5 goals, 4.4 the double. And my goal scorer pick, Matthew Pennington of Shrewsbury up against Lincoln City here. A quarter point on first and last at 25 to 1 and half a point at 14s. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Betfair, for supporting this podcast throughout the whole season. We are getting to the business end of it. And our energy is growing. It's going to be a hell of a few weeks, a hell of a few months. Thanks for sticking with us, guys. We'll be back again on Monday to talk about some weekend action. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Go well.